Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Soul Survivor Podcast. I'm Dylan Bird, along with Ryan Winthrop, and we are here for the first time in three weeks with a new edition of the podcast. Um, obviously, we have the off-season going on here. Very unfortunate that our last podcast was talking about what survivors should do for season 41, possible timelines, possible options. And I don't believe we have heard a single thing since we did that podcast three weeks ago, which is definitely not good. There has been uh, no news in the rumor mill. It's been a little bit quiet. It's been three weeks. Wow, that's a that's a long time. That's crazy. Um, but yeah, no, no news yet. Obviously, as Dylan and I have mentioned, if ever there is news or rumors about season 41, we will go live to go over it and hear the audience's feedback. But until then, we still are doing our off-season coverage, and I think we have a fun topic to go over tonight. Yeah, we're going to discuss advantages tonight. We're going to go through you know, pretty much everyone that's been like, I guess, used or played or put into the game throughout Survivor history. We're going to talk about the times they were used. We're going to talk about, you know, I, I know like, I don't want to like make this like a history lesson. I want to talk about more what Survivor should do with the advantages going forward, which advantages we really liked, which we didn't like, and maybe some possible even new ideas for advantages moving forward. And yeah. Yeah, no, I actually have all those. I have, um, I and this is why I keep looking over to my right. I took notes. Because, um, again, I, I remember a lot about the show, but when you haven't seen it since um, the end of May, and it, it's been a while since I've watched it. So I had to just go through and take some notes on the advantages and some scenarios. And in doing so, Dylan, not only did I write down which is ones I liked, didn't like, I want to see implemented differently, I did think of one or two new advantage ideas. So I, I got all the works. Love to see it. I'm, I'm ready to get started here. So if you want to get started with the first advantage we're going to talk about. Ooh, and what is the first one? Should we just start very simple and go maybe simple, maybe complicated? Should we go with like the hidden immunity idol, like the crux of advantages since it also was the first one? Sure. We'll just, we'll talk about the hidden immunity idol started off. I, I feel like that's the most appropriate <laughs> way to start off advantages. Yeah, it really was the, the, the very first advantage in the history of Survivor. I mean, obviously you had the tribe swap in Africa. And I think on a later off season podcast, we may or may not go over twists and themes and everything like that. But this was the first real advantage in the game of survivor uh, in survivor Guatemala. So season 11. So basically um, 29 seasons ago, and it really changed up the game in terms of strategy where um, as people know, if you're a fan of the show or if you're new to our podcast, the hidden immunity idol can be used where before the votes are read, because obviously after Tribal Council, everybody gets up one by one to cast their votes. And before Jeff reads the votes, he will say, if anybody has an idol and you want to play it, now is the time to do so. And you could play it before the votes and any votes cast against you will not count. And it really has evolved as a big part of Survivor strategy. And as we'll go through tonight, Dylan, the idol has evolved into many different advantages throughout the show. But it's been used to make yourself safe, to save an ally. It's been used to bluff and then not be used. People have made fake idols. People have burned it so it's no longer a threat. People have, you know, taunted somebody into using it. There are a lot of ways that the idol has revolutionized survivor strategy. Yeah, so obviously idol is the most, you could say at this point, most simple advantage, but there's just so many different directions it has gone. Um, it used to be where a hidden immunity idol was just kind of just hidden. Um, in the forest, in the jungle, in the forest somewhere, you had to find it. You may have got a clue. You may have not. And now you're see now we've seen that evolve into idols that are maybe hidden at a reward 
or maybe even idols that are hidden at a challenge, which I think they need to bring back. I don't remember the last time. When was the last time we saw that? When was an idol? I, I want to say the last time an idol was hidden at a challenge, not an advantage, because I know I know Elaine found the vote blocker at a challenging IOI. But I want to say the last time an idol was found at a challenge was Troyzan and Game Changers. I think that's the last time. I could be wrong, though. Yeah, so I think that that is one of the most exciting things when there's a challenge going on and somebody gets to get away from the group in order to get the immunity idol. They know where it's hidden based on some kind of clue that they got before. I absolutely love that. But yeah, hidden immunity idol, most simple uh, kind of advantage. It's always in Survivor, and I think it needs to stay. Now, there's obviously a huge discussion and debate on whether or not there have been too many idols in in recent seasons. You know, it used to be where like getting an idol was so special, and now it feels like every single person finds idols. I personally think that there needs to be some kind of happy medium. Um, I think that too many too many idols or advantages could be a problem because then you get something like what happened to Sari and game changers. But then at the same time, only one person having an idol or two people having an idol, that's kind of, it could lull the action for a little bit. So I like there being a decent amount of people have an idol, but I don't want to see another advantage getting happen. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think the happy medium is the way the show has to go. I feel like the show has evolved to a point in 40 seasons where a lot of strategy revolves around idols and advantages as much as a lot of purists might not like it. The strategy really has, again, like I said, whether it's yourself, an ally, you feign it, you bluff it, you fake it. Um, it really has become a part of Survivor's lexicon and strategy. So you need to have some idols. That being said, like you mentioned, you can't have too many because you get advantage get in and it kind of makes the game geared a lot towards people like, you know, Ben Driesbergen in Triple H, where if you find a lot of idols, you may not be playing a great social game or really a great strategic game, but if you find idols, you're safe, which all hat hats off. I mean, if you're finding idols, you're doing a great job, but it's not the most um, rewarding strategy in a way in terms of if you're playing all three components of the game. But you are also right, where if you have only maybe one idol in the game at a time, can get a bit stagnant, can get a bit too predictable or not that exciting, but... I think a happy medium is perfect. Not too many, but not too little. Yeah, and before we move on to the different variations of idols, fun fact about a hidden immunity idol, but Tony has found his share of hidden immunity idols, and he has actually never saved it. No, he's actually never technically used it correctly. He's always used it as like a mental ploy to advance himself in the game. Like, I have an idol, what are you going to do about it? Not actually using it correctly, which is pretty crazy because it just shows how many different ways idols could be used and how that's evolved over time. Uh, what, what was the what was the uh, the quote where he says I, I want to play it for Jerem uh, I want to play it for LJ oh yeah LJ uh, but he was calling Jeremiah Jeremy um, <laughs> but yeah no uh, Tony uh, his bag of tricks had a lot of um, Tony had both regular idols and also uh, super idols which we'll get into in a little bit yeah but let, yeah let's get let's get right into the super idol so you want to explain the origins of that first yeah so the super idol actually came about right when the idols were introduced in Guatemala, but then they went away for a while due to their power. Then they came back for a little bit, but we haven't seen them much, and they've actually been used in different fashions. So basically a super idol is what it sounds like. It's very super. It can be used after the votes are read. So if Dylan got eight votes to um, be voted out, and he could play an idol, and the next highest number of votes would go home. So it's very powerful because you don't even have to play it. It just automatically would get used for you. That's the problem, though. It's very, very powerful, and I think the fans and producers realize that. So that was the format in Panama and Cook Islands 
But then starting in Fiji, it went back to the original of you must play before the votes are read. We didn't see it for a long time after this. We didn't see it again until Kagiyan, <laughs> as the fans call it, the Tyler Perry idol, Dylan, where uh, fan of the show, Tyler Perry, went to Jeff Probst and said, hey, why don't you reintroduce an idol that could be played after the votes are read? They put it back in the game and Tony used it very well and he bluffed with it to Spencer and that's what's happened in Kagiyan. But we haven't really seen it since in terms of a regular super idol. We saw it two more times, actually. We saw it in Korong, where Ty and Scott, really Scott and Jason, found the uh, an idol, but it was two halves of an idol, a split idol, that it, when put together could be used after the votes. And the only other time we've seen this, Dylan, was in Triple H with uh, Chrissy, where a super idol could be used on the very first tribal council that was found on the boat. And if the heroes went to tribal council, which they did, they could use it after the votes are read. And Chrissy decided not to use it to save Katrina. She decided to just to not play it. But again, we've seen it a couple of times in different fashions, but it really is a super idol. Yeah. And I mean, Tony played the super idol pretty perfectly. Like he bluffed and said that it could be used at four instead of a normal idol, which could could, could be played at final five for the last time. Got his way to the ends like that. And that's how, you know, he did he did it. He called it a super idol, even like it was a super idol, but he used the term super idol and said that it had been switched up since it hadn't been seen in so long, which is really, really a great idea. Now, in terms of the in terms of will we see a super idol again? I really don't think that we're gonna see it for a while. I think that if we were to see it, it would be in the form of Korang, where you know you had to combine two idols to form one for super idol. And even that, I feel like it's a little bit overpowering. If you have a tight alliance with two people who are very good, who are very good at just finding idols, then you could easily have security like that for the alliance. So I just think it is a little bit overpowering and I don't think we'll see it again for a while. The interesting thing though, is that you're right. It's very powerful in concept, but we've never seen a play out. We've never seen a moment where somebody, I mean, we almost saw it with Scott and Koran, but we've never actually seen where someone gets voted out and they stand up and give the idol to Jeff and Jeff says, okay, the next highest number of votes was, john and john you're out so i think you're right it's very powerful in concept because the threat of it looming makes people not want to vote for you if, if they are fear that even burning it will lead to them going home they're not going to want to take that risk which makes it very powerful as a bluff but we haven't ever seen it be played out so to your point i do think we won't see it for a while because of how powerful it is but we might see a variation like a split idol or like a limited time super idol yeah, yeah, I, I pretty much agree with what you said. That is that is interesting though that it never has been used. It's never actually been like right, like never been like correctly used, you know. Yeah. Um and then let's talk about the split idol before we move on from immunity idols in general. Now the split idol is something I really, really like. Me too. It it because it forces you not to only rely on your ability to find idols, but it forces you to be social, which is what the which is what Survivor is. You know, it is a social game. It is a, the biggest social experiment on earth is Survivor. So force people to be social and, you know, it kind of forces you away from that Ben type of game where you could just find idols and just rely on that. You know, we saw it a bunch of winners at war where somebody would find an idol and they would have to give the other half to somebody else, basically forcing you to make bonds, be social. So this way you're relying on your social game as well as your advantage finding idol game. Yeah, no, I, I love the split idol. I think the combination of idol finding and social strategy is really critical to Survivor. I loved seeing it both in Korong and in Winners at War. I think we also saw it in Triple H a bit too. Um, 
but again, I just really like seeing, you know, Kim Spradlin, who has an impeccable social game and also strategic game, go to Sophie and say, you know what, she seems like someone I can work with on day two. Let me give her an idol. Unfortunately, like Sophie said, she called herself the quote unquote devil, which I know Hef had a problem with back in the day. But um, I mean, Kim had a bad read. I can't blame her too much. It was only day two. But I do like the fact that Kim is a very social player. And if she goes to anybody in one world, she goes to Chelsea, Sabrina, Alicia, Kat, she goes to anyone in one world besides Troyzan, um, she gets to instantly pull them in to say, look, I trust you. And I want to work with you. I'm ensuring that we will use a split idol to our advantage in the game. And that's something that Stephen Fishback always says on RHAP, where he believes sharing knowledge of an idol or an advantage is great to build that social capital and that trust in the game. So. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. It's I think it's great. And I think it's really funny that you mentioned winners at war and you're like, oh, back in the day with Hef. I was thinking about this the other day. It's been like five months since Winners at War concluded, it's been a while. which is crazy. I mean, we haven't done a episode recap in five months. We should be like midway into, you know, we, we should be we should be re- recapping an episode in, in in an hour instead of doing this podcast right now. Like, it's just kind of crazy how this whole landscape has changed. How we're going to be doing these podcasts every few weeks until eventually the season comes back, or we have a potential theme to talk about for yeah. season forty one, which. I know I want to add this in here quick. I don't think that we'll be hearing anything up until they probably leave to go out to film, which I don't think will be until around March. So I think that we may, we may have a while before we hear anything. Yeah. I mean, you're right. I mean, if this was a regular season, they would have started mid September. So we would have been maybe around the third or fourth episode by now, maybe the fifth episode, maybe we'd be seeing a swap soon. But, you know, we'll see it soon enough. But I did look at my notes while I was preparing for this podcast and I wrote in parentheses over here, um, you know, Kim gives Sophie idol. Sophie says, you know, don't trust the devil. And I remember on the podcast, I said that and Hef's like, why is she calling herself the devil? <laughs> Sophie, you're not, you're not a villain. Get over yourself. So who, who, who knows by that, but it could be so long from now. Like it could be a whole year until survivor actually airs a new, a new season. Hef could be back by then. We don't know. It could, it we could don't know. Uh, Anything but, uh, yeah, uh, no, I completely agree with you. I love the split idol. And I think that we're going to continue to see it in upcoming seasons. Now to move on, we have the extra vote, another pretty, you know, pretty classic in terms of recent seasons. Yeah. So these next three advantages we're going to go over and I'll make sure to go slowly here because they can get a bit confusing. We have the extra votes, we have the vote steal and the vote blocker. So the extra vote actually um, is an advantage where you literally just get an extra vote before people start voting. Uh, you stand up and say, Jeff, I, I want to play my advantage, and you get to cast two votes instead of one. Now, the extra vote, we've actually seen a bunch. We've seen it in Worlds Apart, Co-Wrong, Game Changers, Ghost Island, EOE. And I mentioned this still before the podcast, but it, while it seems in concept like a pretty strong advantage, it's only really been used correctly two times out of five or two times out of six, technically. It really hasn't been that powerful. I mean, we saw... Um, I mean, and I think the main reason about this is that it can tip people off sometimes or it's not used. So um, it actually hasn't even ever alone altered the outcome of a tribal council. We've seen it a couple of times and it's never once um, altered the effect of tribal. But again, my point is, I think it's not super powerful because it can tip people off. We saw this in Worlds Apart with Dan and Carolyn, where, you know, uh, Dan basically says, I want to play my extra vote. And a lot of people think that spooked Carolyn into saying, you know what? 
I'm going to play my um, idol. And Carolyn ended up staying and Dan went home. And then in Co-Wrong, Michelle didn't have an idol, but we saw Ty, the whole tribal council going like, Michelle's got to go. Michelle's the biggest threat. Let's save Jason. Michelle has to leave. She then says, I'm going to play my advantage for an extra vote. If Michelle had an idol there, she would have definitely played it for herself. Maybe she would have thrown a vote towards Ty and Ty could have went home instead of making it to the final three. So I feel like in concept, while the extra vote can be useful, it hasn't really been that powerful because it hasn't been used a lot correctly. But at the same time, I think that that's what could make a great advantage, especially for fans that want a middle ground like us, where we don't want anything to be overpowering, but we don't we want people to have advantages. So something like right. uh, something like an extra vote where you could you know easily you could it could easily change the outcome of the tribal council if you use it right, but it could also tip people off, so you're kind of hesitant to use it. That to me is like the perfect advantage, or like that's the type that survivors should be looking for ones that are middle ground that could have a huge impact on the game, but may not necessarily have a high percentage chance of having an impact on the game. This way you could people like me and you who podcast could run through resilient scenarios, post, post vote, pre vote and talk about, well, what, what could people do? That's what gets the audience talking about survivor. What could happen here? What could happen there? But you know, you don't want it to be too overpowering. So I, I think that the extra vote is something that we're going to continue to see. And I think it's, you know, it's a simple, but great advantage. I think it's it's a, main, a mainstay for sure, Dylan. I really do think that, um, like you said, it's not overpowerful because of what we've seen. And it allows us to think of a million scenarios and how it could have been used. And again, we're going to see this when we talk about the vote block and the uh, vote steal. Because when you steal someone's vote or you block a vote or you cast an extra vote, it doesn't always mean that that is your target. And we'll talk about this a lot. But you could steal a vote, you could block a vote, you can cast an extra vote, and that may not be your target. You might be trying to do a split vote plan. You might be trying to get somebody to burn an idol. So the strategic merit is deep. There's a lot of ways you can make plays at this. So I do like it because it's not overpowered and it allows for a lot of strategy. And with the vote steal in Cambodia, now to move on to that, yeah. we actually saw Stephen Fishback, now correct me if I'm wrong, he played the vote steal and then went home because of it because he tried to pull off some split vote with the vote steal and then spencer knew about it and kind of just flipped it on him and used the vote split to vote to like get numbers is that what that's exactly what happened right yeah the fishback one was really interesting i need to basically do the math to figure out what could have been changed there but essentially um fishback obviously wants to get out joe because he wants to get out the golden child joe anglum because that's who he lost to in token cheens jt and steven the whole game was like trying to get joe out and Steven gets up and he steals a vote, meaning that Joe does not vote. And Steven instead casts two votes. And basically Fishback goes home here 4-3-2 and Joe only gets two votes. So what people were kind of saying to themselves was, okay, well, Fishback went home 4-3-2 here because he put he used one of the votes on Abby and one of the votes on Joe because I think he feared an idol. If he technically didn't vote for Joe and he put his two extra votes on Abby, it would have been a 4-4-1 vote and maybe the tribe would have voted out Abby on the revotes. Um, or if he doesn't vote for Abby and he puts two votes on Joe, then it's 4-4-1 in favor of Stephen, Joe, and Abby. Maybe the tribe votes out Joe because he doesn't have immunity. So you're right. He did misplay it there, and he could have probably saved himself with a couple of different ways people vote. But again, I also don't think a vote steal is extremely powerful either. Yeah, I mean, the, this this, and we could talk about the vote block also. 
but um right after this but the extra vote the vote steal and the vote blocker that that's like your trifecta of like yeah. <laughs> really really like good advantages that i think are here to stay that aren't too overpowering and are like at the same time give us so many scenarios to talk about yeah i mean again like i said the vote steal has been used correctly three out of four times also used in game changers david versus goliath and winners at war actually fun fact uh sarah had the vote steal twice. So Sarah's actually used it two out of four times. She's you've been the most successful with it, um, which might tie into a question later. Um, but yeah, I think it's really strong and usually it does get the person's intended target out usually. Um, but I don't think it's, we've ever seen it and said, oh my God, that's way too strong. I think it's, it's a really cool advantage because again, just because you steal somebody's vote doesn't mean that you're targeting them that night. Mm -hmm. And then the vote blocker, Let's we should just go over that real quick. Yeah, so that's the like Dylan said, the third in the quote-unquote trifecta where uh, basically you're just blocking somebody's vote. So you don't vote twice, you don't steal a vote, you just say to somebody, you cannot vote tonight. And we've only seen it twice, actually. We've only seen it in uh, Triple H, where Jessica, if anybody remembers uh, Jessica Johnston, somebody who I think could have um, Kelly Wetmore's upside, where she could come back and make a deep run, um, she found it at a reward... And she had to give it to another tribe. So she blocked Devin Pinto from voting that night. And that's where Alan Ball went home in that uh, uh, crazy tribal council where yeah. Joe played an idol. And then we only saw it again in uh, Islands of the Idols. And this is where I think it's been, it was utilized very well, where Elaine found it at the challenge, like we mentioned earlier, and she stole Jason's vote. And the the orange tribe who was down in the numbers actually managed to um, vote out uh, Vokai, the purple tribe, because that was a tribe, Dylan, where it was a 4-4 um, split in the tribe. Right. So if Elaine didn't find that advantage, it would have been a 4-4 vote. But if you remember, Aaron and Missy were considering flipping and going over to purple and flipping on Elaine and maybe Elizabeth. They were, they were considering to flip. Mm -hmm. And I think Elaine finding this vote steal and saying to her alliance, I'm going to steal a purple's vote we will now be up four to three in the vote and we can start regaining the numbers because the orange tribe lost like four in a row or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. So that is, is I, think, I think where we saw this advantage used very well. Yeah. And again, I, yeah, I completely agree. This is like the trifecta of advantages that are not too overpowering, present this with scenarios and work out really, really well. So I think, you know, I don't want to spend too much time here. We're going to move on, but I think that those three, the extra vote, the vote steal, and vote blocker are three mainstays in Survivor going forward. I and agree. Next, next, we're going to talk about a potentially controversial advantage, one that I don't think we'll see again personally, is the juror removal. Okay, interesting. I think, I think we might have our first disagreement on this podcast. I, um, I actually like it, and I do think we can see it again, honestly. Um, if, if anybody doesn't know what this is, oh, we have our first comment in the chat. Hey, Aqua. Um, basically a juror removal, we've only seen it in co-wrong, but that was where Michelle actually on day 38, she won this advantage and she got to take away a jury member and she chose to eliminate Neil because Neil was going to be a vote for Aubrey. And instead of having eight votes in the jury, Michelle won five to two. Now, Dylan, you, you said that you don't think we'll see it again and you, it's too overpowered. Yeah, I, I'll give my reasoning here. Yeah. I just think that, you know, you play an entire game, 38, 39 days, you form your relationships, you form your strategic alliances, and an entire outcome could be changed based on 
you know, like a challenge one or an event or, you know, you get, you get this advantage in some way, whether you find it, whether you, in this case, I believe you said Michelle won a challenge to get the reward, right? Yeah. Right. So she wins a challenge. She gets this and she gets to remove Neil. Now, theoretically that could have been a $1 million advantage. Um, and I just think that, I think that if the vote is going to be close, I think something like that is basically just rewarding winning a challenge. I mean, obviously, you know, when you win, you deserve to win and you get your people voting for you that, you know, that that's, that's a strategic thing. That's a social thing. But I think that when numbers are close in a final vote, I think that it is, I think that, you know, for survivor, it's just better if all the jurors are there, whether, you know, instead of one being removed, I just think that's like, how do I, how do I, I'm trying to think of a term to describe it. I almost think it's like ruining the original game. And I know that a lot of people think about that as advantages, they're ruining the original game. I think yeah. that the whole point of survivor is a social experiment. You're putting, you're voting people out who are going to vote for you to win. Like that's the whole thing. And just to remove one of them, it makes a pretty big difference in the end. So that's, I, I, I don't think we'll see it again personally. Um, and I just, I, that's why I don't like it. And I, that's why I think it's too overpowering. Yeah. I think that, you know, you can go either way. I mean, obviously we mentioned a few advantages so far that are kind of mainstays in the show and they'll keep coming back. This is one where I think it could or couldn't come back. And we have a few more, before we get to audience questions, we have a few more advantages that we'll cover. Some of which are too powerful and some of which are fine. But I mean, this is one where I feel like it's too interesting to only come in the show's history once. I feel like we have to see it again. I mean, Jeff even said it in an interview that they had thought about this, you know, years ago, but they felt it was a little too soon to do it. And they waited until the time was right. And it didn't have an impact on the vote. Michelle would have won either way, but it was a fun idea. And I think you're right. If I'm a juror and I may, let's just say I was Sydney and I made it to day 38. Now, nobody was going to get rid of Sydney's vote, but imagine if I made it 38 days in the game and I was told I couldn't vote, I would be pissed. I think as a player of the game, that's a very dangerous and a really not cool advantage. As a fan watching, I think it's really interesting because, you know, Dylan, for a while now, we've seen a lot of even number juries. I think for a while we've seen with um, uh, Millennials Gen X had 10 people with Adam Klein and you had 10 in Game Changers. They've done a lot of even juries. And then I think that's why we eventually had the Ghost Island tie, because I think Survivor wanted us to get a tie at some point. Oh, you have something to say? I, I was going to say that Ghost Island is what comes to mind. I'm thinking like, all right, well, what if there's a tie vote, but Dom got to remove a Jared because he won a challenge on day 38? Like that does not sit right with me personally. Oh, really? Like, I think I think Dom I think Dom should have won um, Ghost Island. Like that's that's my opinion. I think that he barely should have beat Wendell, but Wendell ended up having the social game to, you know, to beat him. But I think that let's just say Dom wins a challenge on day 38 gets to remove somebody who was voting for Wendell and then wins the game because of that, like that just, that doesn't sit right with me because I feel like that he's, he's getting rewarded too much for winning a challenge on day 38. That's how I feel like it is. See, I, I agree, but I also feel like it really, like it could change a lot of things up. And I feel like while that does seem unfair that, Oh, I want a challenge. I got to take somebody away and I win. I don't think, it would be over overpowered in that it didn't wor- really matter the first time. And I feel like um, unless it was like a Dom and Wendell scenario, I don't think it would matter again, honestly. And if you think about it, if Dominic got the first five votes in the jury, he got Chris Libby, um, Desiree, Michael, and just, uh, not Jessica. What's her face? Uh, Jenna. He got the first five people and see and um, Wendell got the last five. 
what if Dom got rid of the wrong vote? I mean, you're right. What if Dominic gets up there and says, I'm going to take away a juror. I'm going to get rid of Kellen or Seabass. And then Dom ends up winning five to four. You're right. That would be really powerful in Dom one. But the way Chris Noble and Dominic like bashed heads the whole game, what if Dom accidentally got rid of Chris Noble and Wendell won five to four? I feel like you're right. I feel like it's, it's really strong. And I do feel like as a juror, it would suck if it got used on you. I just feel like it's too interesting not to bring it back. And I don't know if it would be that overpowered, but that's a, that is a good point. I never thought about somebody potentially using it wrong just because I feel like if you get there, you know, who's not voting, you know, that, that like Dom definitely knew that one person out of the five that voted for Wendell originally, like obviously we had Laurel who voted in a tie, but out of the five original votes for Wendell, Dom a hundred percent knew somebody who was a hundred percent voting for Wendell couldn't change his mind. I just feel like you're always going to know somebody who's voting for the other person. Now I could be wrong, but I have not thought about using it wrong. That is a really good point that you bring up though. But I, before we move on, I do want to say one more thing to one of your earlier uh, points. Um, so this is where I came up with some different advantages. Cause you said, we're going to go over things that we like, things that we don't like, what should be changed and what do, what new things do we want to see? So I'll give you that. Let's just go with the concept that it's too powerful and we don't see it again. I do think there should be some jury advantage because I think I think jury management, as we've seen a lot, especially with like Russell Hands and other people, jury management is super critical in Survivor, especially when bitter juries can be a thing. So if you can't remove a juror because that's too powerful, what are some other ways you can influence the jury to get them on your side? Because I think a great player, maybe someone, somebody very charismatic like Tony, even though he won easily anyway, I think a charismatic person might be able to use that advantage and sway people like imagine if spencer blood cell imagine if spencer who he was never going to be jeremy right imagine if spencer had a jury type advantage that he could have maybe swayed a couple of votes over to his side so here's here are my two concepts one of which is kind of stolen from big brother one of them is separate what if you were either a allowed to pick a jury member and send them a letter like kind of like how jt wrote russell a letter but you write the jury member a letter and say hey um like, I guess Jer- Jeremy says to, um, I'm sorry, Tony says to Jeremy, hey, Jeremy, this is why I voted you out. I'm sorry I had to do it. I'm in an alliance with this person and this person, and we had to get rid of you because you're a threat to our game. Um, and this is this is why I did, like, if you own your game in your letter, because you, you, we've talked about on the podcast how Coach lost South Pacific because he didn't own his game. What if somebody could own their game in a letter? I think a letter to a juror is a good advantage for a jury advantage. And number two is a jury trip. So on Big Brother on one season, they allowed somebody who won a final five um, reward challenge, essentially, to take a jury member on a trip. Like, hey, here's a trip out of the house for two hours. And that, and he actually flipped that person's vote. So what do you think about either like a one-on-one jury trip or a jury letter as a different type yeah. of jury image? As soon as you brought up potential ideas, the first thing that came to my mind is like, you know how you, when you, you, you get put on a reward that you could go to either a resort or you get like dinner at camp with somebody or, you know, oh, I mean, okay. yeah, keep, keep, keep going, keep going. No. So, so I'm thinking like a reward where you get to choose someone on the jury and they, sh- it almost like, it's almost like when Debbie in game changers met with Cochran, but instead of getting Cochran, you get, <laughs> instead of getting Cochran, you get a jury member instead, <laughs> right? Like I think that would be the ideal. That's okay. Now I'm thinking about all the ways this can be used. So you're right. Imagine if Debbie wins an advantage and she gets to go away for a bit and it, she gets to open it in secret and she says to the tribe, I'm being sent to an island. I don't know what's happening. And it turns out she gets to meet with a jury member who she can maybe sway. I think that's a cool advantage. 
Imagine another idea that Jeff could throw in for a wrinkle where it's the final four. Let's just say this is uh, Philippines. This is the final four reward. It's um, you know who, Scoop, um, you know who, Malcolm, Lisa, and Denise. And let's just say Malcolm, who is a challenge beast at this point, Malcolm wins the um, the spa trip. And Jeff says you could take one of these other three people in the game, or you could take a jury member with you. I think that would be present a really interesting, a really interesting choice. Because if Malcolm takes someone in the game, I mean that's a natural choice, and he won't. Um, and maybe he could sway that person to vote with him in the final four. However, if he takes a jury member, he might sway their vote. But the other three might say, you know what? He's taking a jury member to get jury favors. Let's vote him out. So I feel like either of those ideas allow for a lot of strategy. I I love that idea. That last one with the final four. I think that, yeah, that, that pursuit, that per, that's exactly what survivor wants. They want players to make critical decisions. They want people to talk about whether a decision could have gone one way, what could have been the outcome, whether they, you know, did something else. So like, yeah, I think that that would present Malcolm in that case with, a huge, like he, he wouldn't, you know, that's such a tough decision to make. He could either gain the trust of players that are still in the game with him, mm-hmm. or he could start looking ahead. Like if somebody who feels like they're going to be a goat, you know, or, you know, may, maybe, maybe, maybe they aren't going to be a goat, but if somebody knows they're getting taken to the finals, final three, final tribal council, then it pays to go with the jury member. But if you're somebody who needs to earn trust in order to get there, then you probably go with the people that are in the game with you. So I think that's a great idea, Ryan. Thank you. So the last thing before we move on to another advantage, and then I know we have audience questions as well. So you think going back to Dominic, cause that's obviously the most key part of this is where that was a, such a close vote. You're saying instead of having a juror removal, which is way too powerful. If Dominic at the final four, where it's him, um, Angela, Wendell and uh, Laurel, you're saying if Dominic won a reward there, he should have the choice instead of, uh, getting rid of a juror to take a jury member on a trip with him. And maybe he sways Kellen's vote because Kellen is a key jury member there. You're saying. Right. For right, Exactly. I, I think like that, that's very, that's more reliant on social. I think it's just, it just better. Like you're not completely eliminating someone. You're instead having the opportunity to earn somebody's vote. I, I like this. I like right. this a lot. So I think, I think that's a great idea. If you're listening to this podcast, tweeted out to survivor i think it's amazing i think it yeah. is i honestly i honestly think it's something we could see like i don't think that's very far-fetched at all somebody but, can uh, jump immediately yeah. <laughs> to move on here and i want to yeah. you know, hit on some of these advantages a little bit quicker i know we sure. got a deep discussion here just so we can get to these questions at the end um the next one we're going to talk about and we'll hit on this quick because there's not much to talk about i think you know it's the legacy advantage and i think the legacy advantage is something that we're going to continue to see yeah um, i really like it a lot um, you have the thing, you know, you keep, you keep, get, you gift it to somebody if you get voted out and then you could only use it, I believe at six and 13 is, are, is that the numbers it is? It's usually six and 13. Yeah. Right. So then, you know, like you could, and there's a lot of creative things we could do with it. Obviously you had Sarah who pretty much perfected the use of it in game changers where she got, she knew Sierra had the advantage. She got Sierra to, she voted Sierra out, but without Sierra knowing, in order to get that advantage from her. And that's, I think that's really Sarah pretty much demonstrated why the legacy advantage is so great. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Uh, Really quickly. I would just say that because of Sierra, this advantage is really cool for the person holding it. uh, But you can't tell people that you have it because it's a really big disadvantage because they'll vote you out to get it potentially if you decide to give it to them. Mm -hmm. And I think we thought used again really well with Sarah. And I think Dominic actually used it really well in, um, Ghost Island because he just burned it at the final 13. He's like, you know what? I don't want them knowing I have an idol. 
I want them thinking I just have a legacy advantage and I've been fighting with Chris Noble the whole game. It's final 13. I'm going to use it. And I don't think Dominic even got a single vote that night anyway. So like you just burn it and you get to advance yourself in the game. I like it. Completely agree. So move on. We have the idle nullifier, which has been used Mm. in recent seasons successfully. We've had it unpopularly lose to get uh, unpopularly used to get out Janet at the final five in Islands of the Idols. And we had it used successfully to get out Dan in season 37, David versus Goliath. Now quickly before you go here, I think the, the thing with the um, idle nullifier is that, and me and you have spoken about this on the podcast before. I think that the idle nullifier needs to be, uh, there needs to be a deadline on it, like the idol, except for it should probably be around final seven or final eight, and the idol should be at final five. So this way, if you are able to successfully hold an idol until final five, you get your gift and you get to go into the final four, like Janet should have been able to. Um, but you know, you you but like if you limit it, if you limit it to final seven, let's say, then Dean, yeah, Dean would not have been able to get out Janet um, because of an idol nullifier. Janet goes to the final four and I think that you should be rewarded for holding on to an idol for final five like that. Yeah. You know that it could be used for the last time there. There should be nothing that could stop you. And that's why I think that there should be the limit, the deadline put on final seven or final six or final eight, something like that. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Uh, Jordan agreed with you in the chat as well. I, I've said my thoughts before. I'm not going to go on a rant. I just feel like it's way too powerful to be used at the very last minute. Like you said, if, if Janet can see the um, the gate or the threshold in the in the distance and she says, okay, if I could just make it to five, I'm guaranteed four. Oh, wait, no, you're not. I just think it's way too strong. I think the two ways you fix Idol Nullifier is A, like you said, you only can use it up to final like seven, eight, nine, just so that way it doesn't get used too late. Um, because like I've mentioned before, the whole concept of the, of the game is that if you have immunity, whether it's tribal or individual, you are safe and nothing can take you out. It kind of breaks the concept of the game. But if you want to have it in there, producers, I think you limit it to final seven, eight, or nine. Or, Dylan, you kind of do it like a limited advantage where you've won the idle nullifier that could be used at the next three tribals. Like it has to be some type of limited use. Right, right. I, I agree with that completely. Mm-hmm. But uh, to move on. So we have written here advantage menu, but I don't really like think that we, I think that there are other things that we should jump ahead to, you know, do the limited time. The advantage menu, I think it's a good thing. Just, just, just to hit on it quick before yeah. completely skip it. I think it's a good thing. It prevents, it, it presents a decision for the players. It presents options and it presents something that us as viewers could discuss and debate. So that's why I think it's good. And I think it stays also. Yeah, I think it stays. I like it. Every time it's been used, which is twice, the people had three choices to pick from. And I think because Survivor is such a complex, ever-changing game, you could have given it to any random person and they may have chosen a different path with it. So I like it. Right. And now we will move on to Safety Without Power, which we saw for the first time in Island of the Idols, but we saw used for the first time in Winners at War with Jeremy. Safety Without Power is something that I think we're going to continue to see I really like it because it gave Jeremy that opportunity to be safe, but it's also a double-edged sword because you could be betraying people that need a vote by just dipping at tribal council in front of everybody. Nonetheless. Yeah. I like it in terms of an advantage in the game. I don't like it. Let's just say I got it. I wouldn't like having it. I really don't think it's that strong of an advantage. I think you're right that it bought Jeremy three more days in the game because he was going to go home that night. 
And people always say on Survivor, I've seen that a million times on Rob's interviews, the people's minds change every day. They change every few hours. Like if Jeremy buys himself three days in the game, he could potentially flip some votes. So while I agree that it's a good advantage because it can buy you more time if you were about to get voted out, you were right. It's a double-edged sword. It immediately blows up your threat level. It just really leads to, a, like Jordan says, a crazy tribal council and you're out. And basically if you use it then and you're in the minority, then you're going to keep getting targeted. Like Jeremy kept getting targeted even after using it. So it's not going to put you into the majority unless you flip the votes at camp. If you're in the majority, then your alliance will get upset because you left them with that one extra vote at that tribal that they, that they might need. So I like it in terms of the concept. I think it will stay, but I don't think it's that good of an advantage. Yeah, and like Jordan says in the chat, quote from Jordan, safety without power is cool in concept, but it leads to crazy scrambled tribals, which is cool, but a straightforward vote gets screwed. And that's completely, that's really the problem with safety without power. Um, and again, I think for viewers, it's great, but as a player, it is a double-edged sword. Yep, I agree. So to move on to our last three here, all of them are from winners at war. So mm -hmm. we're going to start out with the 50, 50 coin and the 50, 50 coin is one of my favorite advantages ever. And now we did not get to see it actually um, like into effect completely. I should say like it was played, but it was not like it, it didn't really need to be played. Right. That's, that's the way it was. I'm trying to remember it. It's five months ago already. I'm like, my mind's on sports. I'm watching the NBA finals. Yeah. I'm watching baseball. I'm watching college football. I'm watching the NFL. And then next thing you know, we have a podcast. First time in three weeks. I'm like trying to, you know, everything's <laughs> right now. No, listen, I totally got you. I, I do. And I do want you to mention what you're doing with sports at the end. Um, also, really quickly, Aqua says, I like it because there is a risk to playing it compared to an idol or legacy advantage. I agree. I do think that there is a risk to playing it. I think it's kind of cool. Um but Dylan, the way it worked was that um, somebody on the edge, I think it was Natalie or maybe it was Parv, somebody got to sell Michelle into the game. Um, if you want this 50-50 coin, you can buy it for three or four tokens. Michelle bought it. And basically it works like an idol where you flip it on the podium. If it lands on safe, you're safe. Like an idol, if it's um, tails or whatever, not safe, then you are basically vulnerable. So I think, like you said, it, it wasn't that exciting because Michelle just flipped it like one flip and then it was safe. But I think what you're going to say is that it has a lot of other strategic merits and social merits. Yeah. I, I think that you could really use it to your advantage. Like you could kind of screw with people's brains here and you'd be like, well, like you saw what the 50, 50 coin was in winners at war. Well, what if I told you that this is a dice instead of a coin and you roll it and in, and let's just say there so there's six sides to a die like you know like dice like normal and you roll it and let's say four let's say four out of six sides say you're safe and two out of six say that you're not safe so you could either present this to a scenario to somebody else to screw with them and be like well i'm really more safe than you think or you could be like or survivor could actually do that and make it a make it a dice instead of a coin like i, I think there's there's so many different ways and branches to go with the strategy with the 50 50 coin and how survivor could actually adjust that advantage to make it you know even better yeah and I, i'm thinking to the tribal where it was used when michelle flipped it and that was a tribal council where um jeremy went home i think that michelle and jeremy who were on the outs at the time i think that um you're right. It could have been used to screw with people. And I think if, if people knew how to use it better, I think it may have been able to sway some minds. So 
like I think also Shannon Gus said this on Rob's podcast as well, but um, like if Jeremy and Michelle go to Ben or Jeremy alone goes to Ben and says, listen, I have this 50-50 coin and I'm going to flip it tonight. Now there's a half chance I'm safe, half chance I'm not. If I'm safe and I, because I'm going to vote for you tonight. So if I'm safe and I vote for you and Michelle votes for you, that's basically, uh, Jeremy went out at the, what, the final eight, three, four, yeah, I think final eight Jeremy went out. Um, or maybe it was, I, the whole thing with EOE maybe screws me up in terms of like what, what the vote count was. But uh, I think Jeremy got voted out when there were one, two, three, four, five, seven people left. And if Jeremy goes to Ben and says, look, I'm going to uh, play it on myself. If I'm safe, Michelle and I are voting for you. That's already two votes towards you. We only need two, one or two more. Tony's crazy. He might go with me. Ben might say, you know what, Jeremy, we've been butting heads. I'll come with you on this one vote. So I think it has a lot of merits potentially. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. So, I mean, I love the 50-50 coin. I think we're going to see it back. And now to move to our next advantage, we have extortion, which was another very controversial um advantage that was played in winners at war where natalie got to extort tony from the edge of extinction and basically made him pay six fire tokens which he didn't even have he had to find other places um so that he could and he needed to get these six tokens that he could compete in an immunity challenge um and then i think would would he have lost his vote that night also yeah and that's the point i want to make uh if you get extorted you lose your vote and you can't compete in immunity right so it was almost like I liked, I love the idea of extortion. I think it was used a little bit too overpowering. Like, I don't think that she should have been able to set a price point of six. I think that was way too much. Now, again, since Tony was able to pull it off, it was great entertainment. It also could have sunk Tony's game in a second. I think that pretty much 99% of Survivor players ever get voted out that episode if you're Tony. Yeah. And I think that Tony's just one of a kind and was able to pull that off. But if you're just like a, a typical Survivor player, that's you know even a good player and not like a like a like a legend like Tony, um, you you can't figure how to out how to do that. You end up not playing in the challenge, and as a result, your game is sunk because of that. So I think that it was a little bit overpowering, but I think that it could be adjusted to work better. Yeah, now thank God Tony is a legend or and also the goat because if uh, Tony went out there, I would have been livid. But you're right, I think it's way too powerful. I mean, one of the main, many reasons why EOE is terrible, but. Um, it basically is way too strong. If you are not allowed to vote in the next tribal and you can't compete in immunity, you are a real sitting duck there, especially when you need to cough up six tokens. So luckily Tony managed to counteract it, but I just think it's really, really overpowerful. Now you're right. The concept of extortion is really interesting. Let's go with a scenario, Dylan, where in seasons 41, 42, 43, we've already heard Jeff say EOE's done for a while. How do they bring back extortion? I think somebody finds it. Let's just say... Let's just say Winners at War existed without EOE. Let's just say Nick finds it. And Nick says, okay, look, I have a, um, I have extortion. I want to extort Jeremy. It could be less powerful if the extortion has either you can't compete in immunity or yeah. not both. Or, it, needs, it needs to be one, not both, for yeah. sure. Or you can't vote at Tribal. Personally, yeah. I feel like you should always have a chance to save yourself. So I feel like maybe don't ruin immunities. Just say that you can't vote at the next Tribal. Okay. I agree with that. That's what I would And because, about. spoiler alert, the last one advantage we'll talk about today is fire tokens. If fire tokens also make a return with this, it has to have a set price point as well. That's how I think you fix it. A set yeah. price point and you can't vote at the next tribal. That's how you extort. Yeah, I mean, we completely agree on this front. Uh, pretty much what I said as well. So like, yeah. I mean, I think extortion is one million 
1000% back. I just think it's slightly adjusted to bring it back oh, yeah. to a normal advantage and not one that could just sink somebody's game immediately if they're not, you know, a god like Tony is. And Agreed. Jordan says in the in the chat here, quote, I actually like extortion because it could show a player's social Exactly. And that's that's why extortion is so great ultimately, so. Seeing seeing Tony go to who was it? Was it Nick, Ben and Jeremy were the three people he people he went to? So easily got it. Like it was ridiculous. He, but he went to people on two different alliances, not just his alliance. He went to two different alliances and got it. That You're right. It shows real strategic prowess and social prowess in the game. So I love it. It has to just be way less powerful. Yeah, I think that – and then that episode ended with Tony pulling off the the Sophie blind side. Am I, am I correct there? One of the best episodes we've ever seen from a player, ever, like ever. That was It was yeah. a ridiculous episode for him. I think that, that, was, was, that was the episode that pretty much told us, all right, Tony's probably going to win this thing. I think I think that was the the four three two. So if we uh, yeah. so just got completely hoodwinked by Tony and had Nile in her pockets. That was the yeah. amazing episode. So now just to, you know, I know we just spoke about him, but to talk about fire tokens more, yeah, I think fire tokens are back for like forever. I think that they're just going to be a mainstay in the game. Personally, um, I think that there's just so much that didn't happen with fire tokens in winners at war that is going to happen in the future i think there's going to be a lot more bartering i think people are going to use it a lot more to you know as leverage and i think that the one thing they need to change with fire tokens and we spoke about this several times on the podcast is that there needs to be some kind of final payoff there needs to be a reward or some kind of advantage for having the most fire tokens at let's say whenever they end final six final five final four it needs to be able to do something at the end now i don't i know people have spoke about you know, the idea of maybe buying a buying a vote in the final tribal council. Like I, I think that that's compromising the integrity of the game. Yeah, too much. I agree. I, but I do think that it needs to be a final payoff, whether that means a massive advantage at final final uh um immunity challenge, whether it means something else, I don't know. But I think that there was just such a random end to fire tokens. It was such a you know, in that in that in Winners at War, it seems like well, everyone was obsessed with fire tokens because we know it's going to have a huge final payoff. And I think Survivor was afraid of maybe compromising the integrity of the game too much in fire tokens first season, which is why they didn't do something like that. But I think going forward, there will be a final payoff. Hey, let's use our idea. If you have the most fire tokens at the end of the game, you get to bring a juror on a trip. That's not overpowered. Let's just do that as the payoff in that case. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I completely agree. So um, I, I do want to ask you though, you said fire tokens are a million percent here to stay. I agree. Jeff has said in interviews that we will see them again. Do you think though, and I agree with people in the chat, it's not going to replace idols. Idols are the mainstay of Survivor. They'll never replace them. But I want to ask you, do you think that when you say they're back, you mean, do you think they will be every single season like idols? Or you think in, let's just say survivor goes to see season 50 seasons, 40 to 50. Do you think we're going to see them every single season or really? Okay. I was going to say definitely like at least 50% to 75% of the next 10 seasons. We'll see them used. You think they're going to be in every single season now. I think they're going to be in every single season. I think it's mm-hmm. just, I think th- this is the next chapter of survivor in my opinion, fire tokens. I do. I do agree. It's very interesting. I think the bartering, uh, I mean, it's a, it's a currency. I mean, they were actually created for people who don't know. I have an interview quote here. Um, fire tokens were essentially created based on the old idea that a civilization will develop a currency. Eventually survivor is built on the concept of a society that forms and develops their own rules over time. Layers of currency are developed. So that's where fire tokens came from as an idea. Um, but I agree. I think it's here to stay. I think it's going to be, 
50 to 75%. Dylan thinks it'll be 100%. Let's see who is right there. But I really do think it's really cool. We'll see it more often. Best of all, we will not see it with the edge. So I'm really interested to see how it plays out in a regular season of Survivor without EOE. Um, And one more stat for you is because there were a couple times where some tokens were appeared off camera, there were a total of 55 tokens in Winners at War up to maybe 58. Eight tokens, eight to 11 tokens ended up expiring and not being used. That was the, the lack of a payoff. So 8 to 11, meaning 14 to 19% ended up expiring, not being used, whereas 47 were used as purchases from a menu. So 81 to 85% were used. So I think they were used a lot, as you could see. Yeah, I mean, I think that fire tokens will see success when they're all on the same island, not coming from the edge and stuff like that. So I, I, I think it's here to stay. Yeah, I, I think it is here to stay. And to get to questions now... Um, so we have, so if you're in the, if you're watching this right now, feel free to dump questions into the live chat and we'll answer them. But coming from Twitter, we have at survivor is nice says, how would you alter any advantages used in the past to make them better, more fair or more interesting? So I think that we, that like the entire podcast was kind of big. <laughs> yeah. So like we, I feel like we said that for almost every advantage, but if there's anything left out that you want to add, Ryan. I would just, again, we talked about it the whole podcast. I would summarize and say two things uh, to that person's question. I would say, um, can you repeat the question one more time verbatim? So how would you alter any advantages used in the past to make them better, more fair, okay. or more interesting? You Okay, I think three things. You We said you alter extortion the way we did, where it's um, n- less tokens to extort, only you lose a vote or the immunity, and like it's a fixed price. So that's how you fix extortion. We said nullifier has to be used earlier in the game or like in the next three tribals. And then we said jury, juror removal, change it to like a jury trip or something. That's how yeah. we, we would fix stuff. Completely agree. And now from N- from NBA discussion at NBA is best for says, what are different ways you would like them to be earned and who has maximized advantages the most? So to start with the first question there, I think that... So I know that on a podcast I watched, Nick from Survivor Korong brought up this point. He said, what if there were these challenges that they had on the edge, but on the actual island? And I think that that's something that could be brought into effect um, eventually where they have like smaller challenges on the island, um, like other than the reward challenges and immunity challenges where they could possibly earn tokens and then buy advantages. Um, I also like the idea of having advantages and challenges, like I mentioned before. I think that's very exciting TV. And to answer the second part of the question here, who has maximized advantages the most? Very tough question. And I know that I'm going to have a mainstream answer here, but even though he hasn't actually used the advantages to maybe the way they're supposed to be used, I think that Tony has understood what an advantage means and how it could be used in terms of leverage and not only, you know, actually playing it the right way. So I'm going to have to probably go with him, Um, but there's a million that have used advantages. So. I would say for the first part of the question, um, which basically said to us, oh my God, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. What was the first, I remember the second part. What was the first part of the question? The first part was what are different ways you would like them to be earned? Oh, I agree with you. In challenges, for sure. I love hiding things at challenges because um, ha- we haven't ever seen somebody get caught, have we? We've seen, you know, Troy Zan, Wentworth, Elaine all like secretly do it. We've never seen someone get caught. Um but other than challenges, I like Nick Meyerano's idea of maybe a challenge at camp. 
they also say, Dylan, that the auction is broken. Maybe that you bring back the auction where you do like a luxury portion where it's, hey, here are three food items. And hey, we're telling you up front, here are three advantage portions or whatever. So I think there's a lot of ways that they could bring back um, advantages and how you get them. In terms of who has maximized a advantage the best, I think there's a couple. I want to highlight Cops R Us, Tony and Sarah, 100%. Now, I could go very meta and say poverty with two idols and heroes versus villains, but that's just two of the same idol. I think you're right. I think Tony bluffing with the super idol, as long as I've always said, as long as production allows you to bluff, you should do it. If production says you can't lie about the rules of this, then you can't do it. But if you're allowed to bluff, I think it's amazing. So Tony bluffing with the super idol. Amazing. I think Tony breaking extortion, best, best use of a disadvantage. Tony did that well. And then Sarah Lucina, I, I, I love Sarah so much. She has used a vote steal correctly twice. I mean, you also could argue she really used a legacy advantage well with right. Sierra. But vote steal, not only did she, um, in Winners at War, she stole Denise's vote and she got Tyson out. So she used it really well there in her majority. But if you remember in Game Changers, she gives it to Sari as a sign of trust, knowing at the bottom it says you cannot transfer this. Sari breaks her trust, which is what Sarah was testing in the first place. She then steals Ty's vote and then votes out Michaela, Sari's number one ally. So I think Sarah with the vote steal is my my choice. Yeah, and then one more I want to highlight is Dom's use of the fake idol mm-hmm. in uh, oh, yeah. Island. I think that was amazing. Now, ultimately, you can make an argument that, that you know the way he handled that could have lost him the game um, in terms of jury votes, but I think it's something he had to do to advance himself. So I love the way he used that. Now yeah. to move to the questions here in the chat. Oh, and one thing I want to add about what we were just talking about is I love going to other people's camps to get advantages. That's cool. <laughs> so from Jordan here in the chat, we have what do you think what do you feel about an advantage where the player holding it can cause a tribe swap at random until the merge? Ooh. Wow. That, <laughs> that that's interesting. That's so powerful, but at the same time, you could get like you could say it, it, it like it, it kind of minimizes the luck factor a little bit because like you have one player deciding when to merge instead of just the show deciding when to merge. So like, let's say, but, but I want to ask a quick question here. Let's say your boss and Robin winners at war and you get absolutely swap screwed and he's holding the advantage that allows him to swap. Could he just swap again on the spot? I, I, that's so tough. I think it's really interesting. I've, I've never considered an advantage like this. Um, I think from a TV and production standpoint, I know they predetermine, unless there's like a medevac, they usually predetermine when these swaps are. So no, I don't think somebody could just randomly say, I want to swap. If it ever existed just to play this out, like Dylan just said, I think it would have to be used immediately. Like you have this advantage, let's swap again on the spot because you can't just go back to camp or vote one person out and then swap again because it won't work out with the episodes. Um then again, then again, I feel like as fans, we wouldn't like this because imagine if one of our favorites like Parvati or Tony or Rob, imagine if, if one of our favorites got swap screwed after the random swap. So, yeah, I think there were, I think it's possible, but maybe some kind of variation where it's less like overpowering or there has to be like strict rules on it. But I, yeah. I do like the idea as like a basis for something. That's really interesting, actually. Like R- Rob looks around and says, I'm stuck with Sarah and Sophie and Adam and Ben. I want to swap again. That's actually... Like maybe maybe, maybe something as simple as you get to swap one player. You get to swap like two people. So like you could... So like he could have swapped out 
Sophie or Ben or whatever for somebody else. So at least he has one more person on his, on his side. So I, I think that there's like variations that he could do it with, but uh, that could also make that person a big target, you a big target. There, I, I like the idea. But uh, the next question here from Aqua, we have, do you think that fire tokens might end up replacing reward challenges if they continue to be in every season? Um, I personally, I really like, I like watching the reward challenges, but I know that, um, like I, I, there was, that was kind of a complaint from some people. They were like, Oh, there wasn't really that many rewards this, this season and winners at war. Cause there was so much strategy. I love seeing the strategy, but I like seeing human moments also. So that's why I think rewards are great. I, I don't know. I think it's possible that they may do like chat, like fire token challenges, like they did on the edge at camp and replacing that with a reward instead. Like maybe the reward. Yeah. Like, like you said in, in the, in the chat here, Aqua, maybe the challenges instead of the rewards, they will be played for fire tokens or something like that. But I think it's possible. Yeah. It's interesting. There's a lot of ways that the show could go about this. I do think that, like you said, the audience, I mean, there's some people in the audience that love watching challenges they want to see more challenges in general and there's some people who prefer seeing a lot of strategy and a lot of social play at camp um so i don't think fire tokens will replace reward challenges having said that i do think um aqua you and dylan have a point where maybe there's a challenge at camp where you play for fire tokens there maybe there's a chance where there's still reward challenges but the reward is like fire tokens so let's just say instead of the usual I mean, they usually follow a certain trend. Usually it's like, um, there's like, you know, the flint, and then there's the fishing gear, then there's the comfort. There's like the usual trend. Maybe you say, okay, instead of the third reward being comfort, the winning tribe, every person gets like one extra token possibly. I mean, I feel like there's a couple different ways you can go about this. Yeah, completely agree. So good podcast. Uh, I hope we get some news soon. So we have something to talk yeah. about because... I mean, this is going to be like every few weeks for possibly another year. I don't, I want to hold my breath here because that, that would be brutal, but hopefully we get survivor back sooner rather than later. Um, be sure to like this video that really helps us out. Be sure to subscribe to this channel. If you aren't already be sure to follow us on Twitter at soul survivor pod. And just to also quickly plug, I have a new YouTube channel myself that I have founded. It is called sports bird. B-U-R-D. So if you like fantasy football, if you like college football, be sure to subscribe to that. Again, Sports Bird B-U-R-D. I'm going to be doing stuff on there. So be sure to subscribe to that if you're a fantasy football fan as well. So look, I'm looking forward to the next podcast we do. I don't know when it's going to be. Probably probably two weeks from now. Because we're going to have to go to every other week uh, as long as we have another year left before Survivor. But we'll have to see. Listen, every other week, unless we get news, then we're going live immediately. But um, yeah, no, this was a fun podcast, Dylan. If you weren't going to plug your show, I was going to plug it for you. But um, great show tonight. I really enjoyed covering over all the strategy. This was a lot of fun for me. And yeah, not sure what the next topic will be, but I'm looking forward to it. And I got nothing else. So I'll end it by saying, grab your torches and head back to camp. Good night.